This is an ABC podcast. So, Holden, who are the Invisible Boys? So, the Invisible Boys in this story are Zeke, Charlie and Hammer, and they're three, three characters, fictional versions of myself and my personality. And they're, they're boys who are able to go under the radar. They don't get picked up as being gay automatically by people, and so, therefore, they have some level of being able to hide it, which, in some ways, is an advantage in terms of being able to evade bullying and and prejudice that's really outright. But in other ways, it can be maybe a disadvantage because to some level they feel like they can control whether or not they're gay because no one else is picking up on it. So maybe it's just in their head or maybe it's something that they can overcome. So that's what the Invisible Boys are. And I know so many teenage boys and, I mean, beyond just being gay boys, but, you know, um, across the spectrum of... Uh, LGBT people and also just people in general, people who feel different in some way, they can feel incredibly unseen and incredibly isolated. So this book is about feeling like you don't belong and trying to find a way to belong. So Holden, why did you want to focus on these three boys who all have very different pressures in their lives and also have very different expectations, particularly from their families? Yeah, great question. I really wanted to tackle different parts of being gay. And I initially started with writing just Hammer, who is the footy jock who he thinks he's straight, pretty much. And so I initially started writing it with him as the main character. And what I noticed was that it was too hard to bring in enough nuance and enough complexity into this story by trying to cram it all into one character. I mean, you know, I can't give that that much emotional trauma to one person. They can't deal. Um, And I think as a reader, you would just kind of go... Holden, you know, stop throwing rocks at this one guy. Um, so, it's <laughs> <laughs> too much. Um, so, so I divvied it up into three. And the way I conceptualized it was mind, body, and soul. So, Zeke was the mind. And he would be dealing with the thought sense of being gay. So, what are the moral implications? Are there moral implications? He's trying to nut it out of what it means to be gay and, and how he can make sense of it. Charlie's the heart or the soul. So he's the felt sense of what it means. So Charlie has to deal with first love, falling in love with a boy, getting his heart broken by a boy. How does it feel to be isolated and rejected by people who should love you but don't? And Hammer is the body. So Hammer is all about the physical sensations and and seeking pleasure, and he's more driven by lust than love. So each of them have a different aspect, and I and I wanted to I wanted to make it a little bit more nuanced that way. So each of them has a different journey. And they're at a different stage of coming to terms with being gay. Charlie's totally fine with it, but he doesn't like how he's treated by people because of his sexuality. Uh, Zeke is struggling. Zeke is Catholic and he's Italian. And so he's dealing with cultural and religious and familial kind of pressures. Um, And Hammer is very much the one who deals with the idea of masculinity and the idea that if you're gay, if you're homosexual, in some way this becomes a deficit to your masculinity or it takes away your masculinity. And as a footy player who, you know, he's, he's, he's known for being the guy, the man, he's the alpha, this is incredibly threatening as an idea. So I wanted to explore the idea with Hammer of having homosexuality and masculinity in the same body and see what happens. And why did you want to focus on what masculinity means, um, what it is to be male, and I suppose those different experiences that all three of these boys are going through? Yeah, I think it's true. I think all three of uh, through all three of the boys, I kind of explored a sense of what it means to be a man and and what what's expected of men and of boys. And I think the thing that kind of came up for me growing up was that you're kind of expected to to not be particularly expressive, to be relatively stoic, and 
to be heterosexual. So these were three things that, you know, I'm a really sensitive kind of guy. I'm a bit of a sensey. And so I wanted to explore, like, well, you know, I, I don't feel like that makes me less manly, to be honest. Like, I, I feel like having feelings and being able to survive those feelings without having to shut myself down emotionally or turn to substances, which is what I used to do when I was younger. Um, I feel like being able to just feel those feelings and live through it makes me tougher and stronger. So that's what I wanted to explore with these three characters. So Zeke is very much dealing with feeling like enough of a man for his family. And, you know, but he is a sensitive guy and he's more sensitive than his brother and his dad and his uncles. And he's trying to make sense of like, well, aren't I still a guy if I feel sensitive? You know, like why? Yeah, and if I I don't like sport. (laughs) Yeah, you know, like, and he doesn't like sport. And he does, you know, his dad gives him like a Perth Glory, you know, jersey. And he's like, I don't know if I can wear this because I don't know any of the players. You know, like, you know, I'm going to be such a fraud. But, you know, he's, and he's into games and he's into geeky stuff, but that doesn't make him less of a man, at least not in my eyes. And, um, and certainly he goes on his own journey about whether or not he can fit in. But same with Charlie. You know, Charlie's a punk and he's super expressive and he paints his nails black and he has, you know, emo-looking hair, which in a country town is less of a done thing than probably in the city. So he's standing out, but he's standing out as someone who's different and he's proud of that. And that actually makes him feel pretty tough and pretty seen, you know, like he's pretty happy to be looked at. And it's almost like a peacock kind of, you know, the peacock tries to be seen and be noticed and, and Charlie's doing that. So he doesn't feel less masculine for that. And, uh, and Hammer, you've got, bless him, he's a bit of a, like, people have called him a bit of a doofus. Um, he loves showing he, off his guns. He, he loves showing off the guns and you know, he loves posting shirtless pics on Instagram and I have no idea who he's based on. It's certainly not me. <laughs> <laughs> it might be, okay, it might be a little bit me. But, you know, but he's, he's, he, he likes to work out and he's very physical and, and kinetic and he plays footy and that's what he likes. And so I, I wanted to not problematise those things but to just examine them. Holden, I mean, you've set this story in your hometown of Geraldton. I mean, what was Geraldton like to grow up in? I've never been to it, but I got a good sense of kind of the things that were in this town. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure Gero, I say Gero, I want to go to Gero, Geraldton, which is the correct term for my town. I'm sure there's lots of versions of this kind of town across Australia, and it, and it could be kind of anywhere that's a kind of regional coastal city. So, Geraldton's got about 35,000, 40,000 people in it. So, it's a, it's a bigger centre, but it's still super isolated. It is just so far away from Perth, and Perth itself is obviously isolated in its own way. So, in terms of growing up as a gay kid, it was really isolating. And I just, I never saw any gay people, you know, I think there were two that I ever saw in Geraldton that I knew were gay. And they were, they were people who got mocked or they were people who got treated differently or people said things not to their face, but definitely behind their back a lot. And so I knew intrinsically that I didn't want to be like them. And so it was something to, homosexuality was something to be avoided at all costs if I wanted to be treated nicely and to be treated like a man. So that was an isolating experience in terms of growing up gay. I got bullied though more for being like a square. Like I, I used really? to get, yeah, yeah. I never, I've, like I've never, I never got bullied for being gay because I didn't come out till after I left Rotten and no one knew and no one guessed. So I got, yeah, I got, I got teased for being like the kid who was good at like English and science. <laughs> that was that was my thing because small town kind of world is very much you kind of go into a trade or you're in fishing or farming or mining and that's the kind of acceptable range of jobs so you know i went and did an arts degree and majored in creative writing in french 
which is as you do, <laughs> which is which is which is not the done thing. So that was that was more you know that was another level of feeling different. Uh, but to be honest, apart from these feelings of not belonging, growing up in a small town was actually great. Like uh, I, I think um, I worry sometimes that people will read the book and think, oh, so you hate you know you hate hometown or you hate Geraldton, and I I don't like. I didn't I think- get that feeling from it, and like I said, I've never been to. To Jero, as you call it, oh, um, I'm so glad to hear. That. But I, but I felt like I got to know, you know, the the place through reading your book, and I think what I took away from it is that, I mean, you obviously know your town really, really well. Mm, you mm. know, you've uh, know those places that you obviously used to hang out at, or uh, mm. you know where you could go, or the people who would come into town, or you know, just that I got a very good feeling of uh, those people sort of coming in and out of town. What's happening in the periphery around town? And to me, it's it seems like just you wanting to set this book in a place that you obviously know really well and want to share with everybody else. I mean, mm. I could be wrong. <laughs> no, no, that's a really good observation. I'm sitting here going, yeah, you've nailed, you've nailed exactly what I was doing. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I know Geraldton really well. And for some reason, every time I try to write anything, I end up setting it in, in Geraldton. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't, I can't seem to escape, which is funny because, you know, the first thing I did once I was kind of old enough was essentially to get out. Um, Which is what Charlie, the character Charlie, talks about a lot in this book, that he's hoping that his music is his way of being able to get out. Yeah, that's right. And 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 that was, I think, probably subconsciously, my thing when I was a kid was like, if I can write and if I can write a really good book, that'll be my way to something different. I thought it would be a lot sooner than it is. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I started writing when I was seven and I was like, by the time I'm eight, I'll have published books. <laughs> and, um, you know, turns out, you know, eight-year-old writing is not that uh, publishable. But uh, I tried. But yeah, so that was that was always my thing was that, you know, this is my way to something, to the, to, to the world, you know, like a way to engage with the world on a big level and, and, and not feel isolated and not feel like I don't have a voice, but to be heard and be seen. So that's what I tried to do. And I, and I really, with what you said about kind of knowing Geraldton really well, I really wanted to show that. I know, I know a lot of novels will show the, the natural landscape and they'll, they'll use that as the metaphor and, and they explore that. And there is some natural landscape in here, um, especially with canola fields and things like that. But I really want to show the, just the built environment and the people. You know, what are the shops like? What does is, what is the pub look like? What does the school look like? Like, those kind of things that people live in day after day. Um, I wanted to explore that stuff. So, I'm glad that came across. Holden, how did you go with coping in terms of digging back into yourself in order to write some of those experiences that you had in, in terms of making those characters feel real and feel genuine and have these genuine experiences? Yeah, I really struggled diving back into the felt sense of being 16 again. I think, I mean, it was incredibly traumatic and I probably I probably gloss over it a little bit when I kind of talk about the novel and say, oh yeah, it was traumatic and it was hard. But for a good five years there, I really, I really hated myself. And I, I spent a long time in a state of total, total self-loathing and, and it's hard to revisit that mindset. And I, I did try to revisit it back in 2012. So I was doing an honours thesis at Edith Cowan University and uh, in creative writing. And I tried for the very first time to write about this kind of thematic stuff. And I, I wrote a story about the character who would later become Hammer in this book. And it was so hard. It messed me up emotionally. Like I, I, I had to had to drink. <laughs> I, I got drunk every day um, to write my thesis. 
and wrote the whole damn thing under the influence because it was just too traumatic to dive into without self-medicating. The takeaway from this story is not that drinking works, of course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I should yeah, clarify yeah. that. But but it, it was very, very tough. So I, I after that experience, I thought, I can never write about this ever again. And I didn't write about it for five years. I just couldn't touch it. It was like when you burn your hand on a hot plate or, you know, the stove and just like you instinctively pull back and you can't deal. Eventually, I, ca- I came back and it had been a good decade since I left town and I just went, I think I'm finally ready to share the story. And I sat down and wrote the whole draft in, it was just under two months. Wow. And I was interested to also read that your experience in terms of who you were, but also how you sort of had fragments of that across the three characters that we see in this and breaking those little bits apart so that they are kind of you, but they're not you. Yeah, they're all parts of me. So, And it made it easier, I think, in, in, in fragmenting myself into three different boys I could explore parts of my identity that I didn't explore when I was that age as well so so even though they're all parts of me I, I kind of feel like I wrote myself into existence and I, I I imagined what my teenage years could have looked like had I dealt with this at the age that maybe you know naturally we're probably meant to deal with our sexuality when we're you know 14 15 16 and it's something I I delayed and tried to deny until I was 19 nearly 20 so I reimagined well how would this look if I had been a teenager at that time and if I had been allowed to explore different facets of my identity. So, yeah, all three of them are parts of me. So Zeke is very much the geeky part of me that likes to read and that likes video games and it's very sensitive and, you know, he has a lot of feelings and I have a lot of feelings too. So Zeke is that part, but then I'm also a bit, you know, I'm a, a punk at heart and Charlie Which is I hadn't character. gathered. As soon as I read the bit where you, Charlie talks about Rancid, I went, okay, I get it now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, like, oh, and then I was like, how much of this is Holden? <laughs> so, like, you read that, because that's like on the, like, the first or second page, I think, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, now I get it. But did that, um, I'm curious then, as a, as a reader, did that, did you kind of, uh, did you instinctively assume that all three were parts of me? Or did, is that something that you made I, sense once you read me saying it? Or I did kind of get, well, I got the feeling of Charlie, because obviously I've seen your photos on Instagram. I know you have a mohawk. I'm v- I was a massive fan of Rancid back in the day so I'm kind of I could put all of those two bits together and went okay that's the aesthetic that I see on Instagram okay Mm. so I kind of get the feel that this character has obviously and Mm. then as I went through it more and then as I kind of dove a little bit more into the um into the google searches (laughs) was then oh no what did you turn up only because I was interested about because the Sicilian character of Zeke is there, mm, you know, mm. I got the feeling that this is obviously something that you either know a lot about or you have someone who has really helped you mm. write this part. So I kind of didn't know where that had come from until I started to do that sort of that digging and then went, oh, okay, so he is Italian. This makes sense now. Okay, I get this. So, yeah, there were bits in there as I went along afterwards going and having a bit mm. of a look of kind of making sense of that, but obviously realising also too that even though authors base uh, characters on parts of themselves, they're not always wholly themselves, and, you know, and that's obviously you know for a number of different reasons. So then I was interested in how then these characters were going to kind of manifest themselves um, mm. in their in their own personalities, you know, rather than what I just found out. <laughs> yes, yes, no, but that, like your research totally it all brings it together, really. Because Zeke is very much like people who knew me in high school, they're like, oh, so you're Zeke. And I'm like, well, I'm all three of them. 
you know, like these, these are people who maybe I haven't seen a lot in the last you know, 10 years. Um, and they're like, no, no, you're Zeke. Like, that's what you were like. And I was like, yeah, I know I was like that. Because <laughs> um, I, I was like that really, really shy, really repressed kind of Catholic Italian boy. And uh, in the years since, I've definitely become more of a Charlie and, and more recently, again, probably more Hammer in the last probably three years. Like, I, I got heavily into the gym and into the weights and I play footy now. And that's what I like doing. And so, this is a really great way of exploring who I could have been at the time if I'd ha- maybe had more confidence but also finding it, you know, finding ways into who I am now. Well, I mean, on that hold, and I mean, you said that this was basically you writing yourself into existence. And I wanted to know how this novel also helped open you up in a way to express yourself and to become that person that you are now. That is like the best question I have been asked. <laughs> it's No, it's a really, it's a really good question because without overdoing my response, writing this book completely changed me as a man I was still I was like I looked like Charlie but I still felt like Zeke for most of my adult life because I still I hadn't dealt with anything and I was still not confident I was still totally a mess in terms of high functioning anxiety and panic disorder and you know like I was just not coping with a lot of things and I wrote this book and it was just the most freeing thing I've ever done ever not just in a creative sense, but in, in a self-development way. So it, it made me become so much more confident and I realised I could explore new things, I could, I could try on new identities and that actually those were just as authentic as the one I'd been kind of crammed into my whole life trying to hide from everyone, you know? It was actually a lot more freeing to, to be able to, you know, to, to play guitar and to play footy and to, to go to the gym and, and to do things that I had shut myself out from for many years. Um, so yeah, so writing this book, writing these characters, I feel like I wrote myself into existence on the page, but I also feel like I completely changed myself uh, as a person to the point where um, someone recently messaged me on Facebook who I knew in high school and just went, "Oh my god, you're a completely different person now. I don't even know like <laughs> I don't even know who you are anymore." Um, and I and I my instinct was awesome because I didn't like I didn't like being repressed. I didn't like being so terrified of everyone's opinions that I couldn't say what I felt or what I thought. Or being invisible. Or being invisible. Yes, exactly. It's a terrible saying that you'd put whatever you needed to bed in this book in Mm. order to kind of move on from that and knowing obviously what you've said about how traumatic it was to even go into that to formalise these characters. That Yeah, it just seemed to me that everything that I've read since of you talking about this book has been, you know, you kind of being able to kind of put that to one side, deal with it in a way and move towards the person that you are now. Yeah, I, I agree. It was hugely cathartic to write it. And then once it was done, it was like the poison was drained out of me and I could just be me. And that's how it's felt since. And, and being on the promo cycle for this book and, and doing all that, I, I feel like I'm not re-traumatising myself by talking about it. I feel very much like it's something that's, you know, I went through it when I was a teenager. I've now written about it and it's something that is outside of me. It's not in me anymore. And I can move on with my life and, and be a lot happier and be a lot, you know, I used to be really angry and I couldn't really work out why. Uh, and then when I kind of finally sat down and processed a heap of trauma, I became a much less angry guy. I became just a lot more content. And, and that's certainly how I'm feeling at the moment. And it's it's actually important that you said that you aren't re-traumatising yourself because I think sometimes as 
people who ask questions, we do forget that sometimes a lot of what is in a book can be quite re-traumatising to people who then have to talk about what they've put into a book, hoping not to ever talk about what they've put into the book. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so true. Um, (laughs) The funny thing is I I really went through a phase of – not wanting to be the gay author. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, yep. I didn't, I like, for You're a long just time, a gay like, person who happened to write a book. <laughs> right? That's what, that's what I think. And, like, before before writing this book, I mean, like, um, I wrote a fantasy novel first and, and it's not published. It's in the drawer because it's not good enough. But I was, I was trying to avoid dealing with this, you know? And so I was just like, well, I'm just a... Yeah, exactly. I'm a writer who happens to be gay, but, you know, that's not what I write about. But actually, it, this was the thing I desperately wanted to write about. And this is the thing that, that actually has heart when I write about it. So, you know, I am the gay author at the moment and not all my books will be about being gay in the same way, but they're always going to deal with some variation of these themes and these, you know, that I'm pretty sure there'll always be a gay character. Like, <laughs> it's just what I do. <laughs> it's just what I like doing, right? Like, you, you, you want to see yourself represented on the page and that's, that's what I enjoy writing. Well, Holden, I mean, what did you want Invisible Boys to say to young people who are still maybe trying to work out who they are? I would love for this book to reach young people um, who are still trying to come to terms with their sexuality or just their identity and just tell them that they are okay as they are, which is a very simple and maybe simplistic message, but it bears repeating until it finally sinks in. And for me, that's taken years. But to learn that you're actually okay, that there is nothing wrong with you if you're gay or if you even not even if you identify as gay, if you are attracted to the same sex... There's nothing wrong with you at all. If you're a boy and you're attracted to the same sex, it doesn't mean you're less of a man. It doesn't make you less manly. You can decide that on your own terms. You know, you decide what kind of man you want to be. And if you want to be a manly man and gay, you can. And if you don't want to be a manly man and gay, you can do that too. And all of these versions of being gay are totally fine. There is room for us all and there's room for you. So I would love to help people just be okay with who they are and express that authentically. And if I can help anyone to not feel the shame that I felt growing up, that would be a really, really good outcome from this because my whole youth was shame. And I just think, God, I should have had so much more fun. Like, I could have had so much more fun as a gay teenager or just as a teenager full stop. You know, like I could have I could have really enjoyed life. And I spent years and years agonizing and ridden with anxiety. And I just think if I can help someone else to avoid that and be okay and have more fun, that would be a really cool outcome. Rihanna Patrick on ABC Radio.